0: The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better.
1: It's so good to see everyone. Thanks so much for coming back to the Sell Better by JV Sales Daily Show. So excited to have you all here. This is going to be one of the best shows that you attend. So buckle up. <laughs> I'm so excited for this one. Today, I have my friend Salman Mokhudin here. He is the founder at Salmon Sales Academy and an enterprise account executive at Asana. We are going to talk to you today about filling your pipeline with top tier prospects. Before we dive in, though, if you're looking to level up your sales game in 2023, look no further than this little QR code here. I can speak firsthand to the value that the sell better folks bring to sales teams. Um, you know, by becoming a member, you instantly unlock trainings and resources that you'll need, um, you know, as a seller, especially in 2023. So please feel free to scan this QR code. And thank you so much to our partner Gong for helping make these shows possible. Check out the chat for our daily value drop. So this is going to be a free resource for you with tons of free templates and calls to action. Uh, so go ahead and make sure you take note of this, save this from the chat. So today's agenda, we are going to dive into so many tactical things. I think, I mean, Salman, we have so many things that people are going to be able to just take away from this webinar like instantly and use. Um, So we're going to go through the tools that drive top quality prospecting and the workflows associated with those tools and the ways that you use them. We're going to go through how to leverage your contacts to generate warm intros. We're going to go through when and how to shift your prospecting approach to kind of find out who's actually interested. But before we do, question for the audience. As always, I'm interested, where are you guys? Uh, Where are you guys? Uh, What kinds of roles are you working in? Who's in the room? Uh, Feel free to drop in the chat too anything about yourself, um, how new you are to your role. So I'm seeing that we have mostly SDRs, BDRs, AEs. That's awesome. We also have some frontline management and senior leadership, which I think is so important. If you're a leader in the room, thank you for showing up. (laughs) So, Salman, I'll just kind of dive right in. You know, what are some of the ways that you strategically prospect and and tools that you use
0: to do so? Yeah, it's a great question, Carolina. Thanks again for being here. And by the way, I was looking at the chat. Uh, I'm from Toronto as well. I think there's a couple of Torontos. I saw one from Alberta. I was born and raised in Fort McMurray, Alberta, believe it or not. So shout out to the person who said they're from Edmonton. But (laughs) Yeah, you know, when it comes to prospecting, um, there's a lot of tools that are used in the market today. We we know the tools, the outreaches, the sales lofts, the LinkedIn sales navigators, and things like that. And some of us may have access to these tools, some of us may not. But I think what's even more important today is the messaging, because you could have all the best tools in the world for your sequences, for your emails, for your any sort of outreach. But The context of it is really the messaging that's going to resonate. And that's what I want to focus on today, as well as some of the tools that you can use to really make that messaging more relevant. And a lot of that has to do with building a point of view that will resonate with your prospects.
1: Mm. We hear a lot, I think that we hear that a lot, right? Coming in with a point of view, having your own point of view. Can you go into kind of what that means?
0: Yeah, totally. So point of view, in my opinion, and we use this term a lot when I was a Salesforce as well, is it's a unique perspective that you can bring to your prospects that most of your competitors can't, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a unique perspective. What is that perspective? I kind of like to split it up into a few aspects because a unique point of view should be something that should be different for every prospect, right? Now, if you're an SMB AE or a small business AE, I get it. You're going to have to, you know, do some sort of personalization to some degree that scales, but in some of your key accounts, building a point of view is gonna help you resonate with your prospects a lot more. And when I talk about a point of view, it's a unique perspective. Um, I have a few steps in my framework that I use that really helps you build that point of view. And the first one is relevancy, right? Something relevant. It's about an observation so a point of view could be done on a cold call it could be done in an email that you're sending out to a prospect but the key is having a point of view and the first step is something relevant this could be an observation maybe their ceo said something about driving growth in the northeast maybe they're in the market for hiring a marketing automation specialist maybe their cmo made a post on linkedin about driving growth on their digital channels as a key priority in 2023. So there's a lot of things you can find out from your research to drive something relevant. And one hack that a lot of people don't use, Caroline, that have noticed is go to their careers page. Yes. Look at some of the roles that they're hiring for, the tidbits that you can find. I did this for a bank recently, and I found out that one of their key projects for 2023 was called the next evolution of work. And they were literally hiring so many people. They talked about the project. They talked about the problems that we're solving. I was like, this is so much juicy information that I can use on my first uh message. Right? Mm. And that that's really key. Like that first sentence is the uh, relevancy. Uh, the second step is the problem. And one thing I've been using lately that's been really, really helpful. And I want to get a shout out to Bill Albatroy on LinkedIn. He's a, he's a sales influencer as well. Um, has anybody here heard of G2? You know, G2 where it has the reviews of all the products in the market today. Yeah. So go to G2, go to G2 for your company, for your company and look at their reviews. And in those reviews, if you scroll to see the full message, what you're going to see is one of the questions they ask the people that are using your platform is what are the problems that you actually solve for? What are the problems that this product, the one that you're selling is solving for the amount of detail that is going to be in there is going to be so helpful because a lot of times as AEs, we think the problem is a capability. I'll give you an example. So let's say, for example, you're, you're selling a CDP platform, which is like a, a marketing platform that allows you to kind of centralize all your customer data in one place, right? So uh, there's a couple of the G2, the so G2. Um, if you just literally Google your company name in G2 and look at the reviews and, and go and go into detail. And basically, if you go there, like if you talk to someone and said, Hey, what are the problems that you solve for? I can bet you most AEs will say this, Hey, we're a uh, customer data platform that allows us to see all their customer data in one place. So we can personalize our offers for our customers. But keep in mind what I just said, that's a capability. That's not a problem. You're not talking about the problem at all, right? But if you say something like, Hey, what we find is a lot of customers have their customer data spread across 12 different systems. And it's really difficult for them to cobble up that data in one place, which results in bad customer experiences. Now we're talking about a problem. Now you're speaking the customer's language, because a lot of the marketing material that we see in our emails is it's our language. It's not the customer's language and the customer's language are the problems that they're facing on a day-to-day basis.
1: Couldn't agree more. And you just you hit home. I worked for a CDP company for a while, so that example is specifically relevant. Love that. And that's that's just so true. I love this email framework. So c- kind of along this this similar thread right, with messaging, um, when you're crafting an email or when you're crafting a message, what are some of the research tenants or kind of key aspects of coming with a point of view that you recommend?
0: Yeah, exactly. So some of the research is simple stuff. Um, if they're a public company, look at their 10K reports and annual reviews. If they're not a public company, try to follow each of their executives on LinkedIn. Are they posting? Are they liking? Are they engaging in content? What's important to them? Have they been on any podcasts? Have they been in any articles? You know, do some research to find a Go to their careers page, like I mentioned before. So much information for non-public companies. And the relevant line is important. The problem is important I touch on the impact. What is the impact of that problem that they're facing on a day-to-day basis? And again, go to G2, you're gonna find a lot of good insights. And what's really important is a KPI or metrics because for all the sellers here, what are we measured on? We're measured on building pipeline. We're measured on getting sales qualified opportunities and meetings. We're measured on ACV and ARR. If we're successful in those metrics, guess what? we're getting recognition, we're going to a club, we're getting promoted. Your prospects are measured in the same way. They are responsible for certain KPIs and metrics. Try to uncover what those are. And you can do that by just doing some research online. So for a marketing leader, it could be conversion rates. Mm-hmm. For a sales leader, it could be revenue. For an HR leader, it's probably attrition and retention rates. Mm-hmm. So when you put together a message, You should be focused on that. So when you talk about the relevancy and problem, what if you said something like this in your email? Like, hey Linda, I saw your CMOs post on driving growth on digital channels in 2023. Uh, We typically find that teams spend a ton of time cobbling up customer data from a dozen different places, leading to poor digital experiences and lower conversion rates. You see what I did that in that sentence, I said something relevant. I talked about a common problem that folks in the role face the impact of that problem, which is, poor digital experience or customer experience and a metric that's affected lower conversion rates. That's aligned to that. Let's look at another example. This is for a cyber cybersecurity solution. Uh, Hey Linda on your job board right now. And I see that you're hiring for a cybersecurity you know, folks to help with, you know, monitor potential attacks. Mm -hmm. Curious to know how you're dealing with that today. Typically we find cybersecurity folks, or typically we find teams are spending a couple of hours a day on manually configuring malicious traffic flows. This usually means a reduction in bandwidth of server usage, leading to poor customer experiences. So I'm talking about the challenge and the problem and the impact. And I, I didn't go through the whole email, but. That's a little bit more relevant to, to my role.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Highlighting the impact is so important. I think that's the step that most people miss too. Like you can present a challenge, you can present a problem, but what's gonna happen if that person doesn't budge, doesn't make a change, doesn't fix that. Um, so that's brilliant. And I, I wanna I wanna ask too, in the examples that you just gave, you kind of highlighted some some calls to action. Um I'm going to pull up some examples that you have here of some calls to action. I'd love for you to kind of go through with our audience, you know, wh- what are these calls to action and how can you use a soft CTA?
0: Totally. So, before I get the soft call, soft call to action, I want to talk about the social proof and value statement. So the first two lines and I'm going to read this email again in, in full in a second so the folks can take a listen, but after you talk about the problem, the, the relevant first line and the problem impact KPI sometimes give a social proof, right? Because a lot of these prospects, they're like, why is this person talking to me, right? But if you provide a social proof, ideally of a company in their industry, or one of their competitive peers potentially that are using your platform, along with your value statements, it just gives you a little bit more uh, credibility. So you could say, hey, Home Depot saw a a 15% reduction in bandwidth and server usage using your company, right? Uh, hey, T-Mobile saw a 3% uptick in conversion using your company, or, hey, AT&T and t t mobile use our platform to quickly connect data in one place, making every customer interaction personalized across every channel. They've actually boosted conversion by digital by 5%. So see what I did there? A very short value statement and social proof where I said, hey, folks in your industry are using us to do this and this. And this is the metrics that they've seen. And these metrics are important to you, right? Because you care about these. And then to your point, Caroline, about the soft call to action, you're not gonna ask a stranger for 30 minutes of their time. We see this all the time. You're like, nobody's gonna say, oh, I'm gonna drop everything and I speak to this person tomorrow. Like I, I literally get cold emails, even though I'm an AE, I get cold emails from folks saying, do you have time tomorrow for 30 minutes? Like, I don't have time, right? But if you say something like this, hey, would it be worth the chat? would it be work, uh, worth a look? Would you be opposed to taking a closer look? Even asking a question might be helpful. Keep it short, worth a look, open to sharing thoughts, worth a chat. A lot more engaging, a lot more easier for the customer to potentially respond.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I get similar kind of messages and it's like, why would I be? why would I want to meet for 30 minutes before I even know who you are? what you do, how this could kind of add value. So I'll throw some of these um, CTA examples up on the screen here that Salman just went through. This is gold. So for anyone kind of curious, you know, how do I do this? How do I use this kind of language? Here are four really great examples. Um, And I want to say too, and and Salman, I'm curious about this, you know, from your perspective, when I was an SDR, I would take our ICP and I would go find lookalikes on LinkedIn, maybe people who weren't in the industry that we were targeting, but who had the same titles. Um, And I would kind of get curious. I'd say, what are you, you know, what are your metrics that you're judged on? Um, What's your quota look like? What are things that matter to you? So I'd kind of do these little mini interviews with people. And I think for anyone in the room thinking, how do I figure out what matters to my prospects? You'd be surprised how friendly people are if you just reach out to them on LinkedIn and offer them a $5 Starbucks gift card and ask for some of their time. Um, So I think that there are always ways that you can get creative there. And speaking of folks in the room, question for you, uh, does your leadership determine your ICP? We're going to kind of touch on why this is a question that we have for you in a little bit, but feel free to throw an answer in there.
0: (laughs) And as the folks are asking that, I wanted to share one little technique that I use that's been really, really helpful for, for myself and folks that I coach as well. Um, it's called a bottoms up approach. A bottoms up approach is something that is highly effective. So if you're struggling trying to get meetings with executives, like senior VPs and so on, or C-level executives, I'm going to teach you a little uh, tidbit or a little technique that you can use that will increase your reply rate. Here's what I mean. A bottoms up approach is speaking to a couple of managers or individual contributors, where it's going to be a little bit more easier for you to land a meeting and. Land a meeting with them. Speak to them for 15 or 20 minutes to understand some of the challenges they're facing on a day-to-day basis. See if it resonates with them. Get a lay of the land of their current tech stack. How, what are they using today? What are the gaps? Have two calls. And then go with that to a senior leader and say something like this. Uh, hey, Linda. And let's say Linda is um, a VP of uh, cybersecurity or something. Hey, Linda. Uh, Bob and Keisha on your security team are spending two hours a day manually configuring and evaluating malicious traffic flows. This usually means a poor customer experience on your sites. And I'm not sure if this is something that you've considered taking a look at, but Home Depot saw a 15% reduction in bandwidth and server usage using our platform. Would it be worth a chat? Simple as that. What does this do? This shows that you've done your homework. It shows that you know their landscape. It shows that you've actually sat down with people on their team to learn their day-to-day challenges, so they can oppose it. And you're showing a social proof. A very soft ask. Do that bottoms up approach. You will increase your reply rate.
1: I love that. So if if I'm if I'm hearing what you're saying correctly, social proof and a CTA hand in hand. They're best friends. They're twins. <laughs> I love that. I think that that's I think that that's great. So, on to pivot a little bit here, you know, I want to chat with you a little bit about how to generate referrals because we all know that if you can have a referral, if you can have an introduction to someone, it's a heck of a lot easier than reaching out cold, right? So, um, if you could talk to us a little bit about how to generate referrals, that would be awesome.
0: Yeah, great, great question, Caroline. So, I have an opinion with regards to referrals and you're going to some see some people talk about... Hey, you should always ask for referrals, you know, try to find out other people in the company from your champion that could leverage your platform. I have an opinion on that and I'll tell you why I have an opinion. You don't want to rely so much on other folks like your champion, because once you tell them to do something for you, you've put a burden on them. So they have to do something for you. And People are busy. <laughs> like you and I are busy. Once we, everyone gets off this call, we're going to get back to our normal lives. Yeah. Because we're not going to remember why I got to do this for this person. Lower the b- burden on your champion. I'm going to tell you three ways that you can get referrals. And I'm going to tell you what the average seller will do, what the good seller will do, and what the great elite sellers do, right? So here's what the average sellers do when they try to get a referral. Here's what they do. They're gonna ask their champion, hey, Linda, who else in your organization do you think would see value on your platform? You would think is a simple question. Why wouldn't you ask that? But what you're doing is you're putting the burden on Linda, your champion, and kind of figure out, okay, who do I need to reach out to? Okay, I gotta do, maybe I should find out from this person or that person. I gotta, you know, I gotta spend a half an hour trying to figure out who else would see value. You're telling them to do something. That's what average sellers do the above average sellers, here's what they do. They will come based on their research with recommended names. So they'll do some research, whether it's in their internal org charts or on LinkedIn Sales Navigator or looking at ops, And they're basically gonna be doing research. The AE will figure out, okay, maybe, Bob in marketing might see some value or, Hey, maybe this HR person named Keisha in recruiting might be able to see value because they have use cases aligned to us. So what that good seller will do is they'll talk to Linda and say, Hey, Linda, I noticed that Devon and Mike in marketing are responsible for X and Y campaigns. Um, I believe they're going to have use cases that align to the value. Our tool brings. What are your thoughts? Hey, I'm happy to reach out to them. And take some work off your plate. That's what good sellers do because they, they do their own research. They bring their names based on their research saying, Hey, do you think they'd be a good fit? And they say, Hey, listen, I can reach out to them and take some burden off your plate. That's a good thing, right? Let me tell you what the elite sellers do. The great elite sellers, they don't rely on their champion. You know what they do? They put their hard hat on like those construction workers and they get to work and they multi-thread and they do it themselves you know what they do they don't rely on their champion they go out and they figure out who are the other personas that we can sell to that see value in our platform that face problems that we solve for what are their use cases that we typically allied to and they will reach out directly to those personas and they'll say something like this and Linda is another person, let's say, let's say Linda is an HR. <laughs> I, uh, if you know me, I, you know I like the name Linda. There's a story behind that. But uh, hey Linda, and this is somebody else, been working with Devon in your marketing department and they've been using you know your solution, our solution to solve for this problem. They've actually seen 12% increase in reply rates over the last six months. If this resonates with you, we're confident we could replicate the same with your team. Would it be worth a chat? Sending a similar message like that, you might have to change the wording depending on the use case, but what does this do? You're taking the burden off your champion. You're reaching it directly to that persona. You're telling them you're working with someone on their extended teams. They're seeing value. And you know what the best thing to do is I do this with my prospects. I, I play matchmaker. I'm <laughs> the champion and someone they may not even know and bring them together. And your val, your champion will love you for that. Saying that, why you're doing your job for me, and they'll appreciate it. So, be an elite seller and try this method.
1: This is gold for anyone on this on this show who prospects. You should be absolutely the wheel should be turning here with these templates because this is fantastic, um, Salman. T- along this kind of along this line, what do you think about like so current customers? So leveraging your customer base. Um I know that we're talking now about kind of multi-threading within an account that you're prospecting into but what about leveraging the people that you've already signed on to for any of their potential connections that are in your ICP?
0: Yeah, totally. So, if you're if you so you're talking about internally at your company like like at the customer like multi-threading or finding out who else can see value or
1: Yeah. So like if I'm, if I'm at a company, I'm an SDR, right. And I'm like, well, I feel like I don't leverage our customers enough because we have a ton of happy customers. They write us great reviews. They sing our praises. How would I then go about kind of asking for a referral from a customer? Do you think that's appropriate?
0: It's appropriate. I think it's kind of the same model, right? Mm -hmm. It's the way you ask because you want to remove the burden. Like when it comes to buyer psychology, like even if, you have friends that you might ask somebody for help. It's going to take some time. I remember when, uh, I I was laid off way back in the day, back in the late 2000s. Um, I asked a few colleagues for help and I said, listen, you know, it'd be really appreciative if you could help me, you know, get an interview. You know, I know there's a couple of roles open here and there. Um, it took some time to get back to me. And I was like, you know, I mean, they know me, they should be getting back to me soon. But then I realized you can't rely on others. You can't be relying on others to find you the ways to success. You need to do it yourself. So it's okay to ask for referrals, but the way you approach it has to be in a way that lowers the burden. So when I was laid off, when I should have done, Caroline was saying, Hey, listen, I noticed that there's a couple of roles open at your company. Uh, based on my research, do you think, uh, you know, Mindy in, in recruiting would be the right person to reach out to? Mm-hmm. So doing your homework, showing that you're putting the effort in is going to help you get an answer more quickly versus relying on that champion.
1: Ah, that's that's brilliantly put. So it's really, it it's how you say it is also equally as important as as what you're saying to these people. I totally agree. Question for everyone in the room, you know, are you leveraging your current customer base for referrals? So are you kind of doing that process like what we're just talking about? Or are you using your customers, uh, you know, your customer base to the best of your ability? I'm seeing a pretty 50-50 split there. That's interesting. I'm seeing more no's than yeses. <laughs> Trying to use them. I totally understand that. Right. It's it's it can be a challenge. Um yeah. Yeah, so it, I can I just take a minute here to show everyone a really quick, simple way to use filters in Sales Navigator to actually build a referral ask list. So what Salman and I were just talking about is, you know, doing the homework for your person that you're asking a referral from. You're not just coming in and being like, hey, who should I talk to? You're coming in with a perspective. Um, so let me share my screen really quick. I'll just walk everyone through this super, super fast. So, what you're going to do is you're going to start in Sales Navigator. You're going to go to leads, uh, your lead filters. You're going to input your current companies that you're prospecting into here, right? So maybe five or 10 companies, you start with a a little selection here. And then you're going to go to connections of, and you're going to filter through a current happy customer who gives you great reviews. And you're going to see if that person has any connections at those companies that you're trying to prospect into. Now, of course, you can add your Boolean strings and you want to make sure you're getting the right types of people. But when you do that, you should have a list here that's spit out. That's a list of people Salman knows at the company that I'm trying to prospect into. So feel free to use this little little hack, this little sales navigator trick. Um, It's worked wonders for me. (laughs) Um, So Salman, the key the the topic of this webinar right like the key points here are how to fill your pipeline with top tier prospects can you talk to the audience a little bit about what that means for you
0: yes really good question and what that means for me is for me when i enter a discovery call so let's say your sdr sets up a call for you or you have a call set up from a cold email that you sent And the customer is showing some interest. There's some interest there. There's a problem they might be facing and they're willing to take a call. How do you approach the call so that you're filling up your pipeline with real deals? Here's a problem that a lot of AEs face, because I felt this a lot early in my career. I'm still an enterprise AE, but I'm trying to get better at this as well. But early in my career, I used to see the same deal on my forecast call, month after month, quarter after quarter. Your leadership sees that. Your RevOps team sees that. You want to be that person that has a reputation, wow, you know, Caroline, she brings the real deals to the table, high quality deals. When I see a deal there, I know it's high quality. You don't want to be that person that has that same deal all the time. And listen to your gut. You know, your gut's going to tell you if it's a real deal or not. Do you want to put it in the pipeline for the sake of having a chunky pipeline? Or do you want to have it for the sake of, hey, I drive high quality pipe and here's how you do it. Enter your calls with not the intention to sell, but the intention to learn, right? Talk about some of the problems. You know, some of the ways I lead discovery calls, Caroline, is not so much, hey, you know, what are the challenges you're facing today? What's keeping up at night? No, I'll say, hey, I speak to folks like yourself on a daily basis. Here are the three biggest problems they're telling me that they're facing on a daily basis. One, two, and three. Is that something you're facing today? There's a good chance they are because they're taking a call with you. But challenge your customer. There's nothing wrong with challenging your customer because here's the thing, in this economic downturn we're on, you're gonna be competing with a lot of different priorities and problems. So I have something called pressure test questions. Pressure test questions are some questions that I like to challenge my prospects with that will tell me, is it worth my time to spend time on a demo, to put this in stage two or stage three, is it worth my time? And more importantly, is it worth waste? Is it worth the customer's time? Right? Is it worth the customer's time? Am I protecting their time by telling them, "Hey, listen, this may not be a good fit." So here are some pressure test questions that I like to ask. Once you've uncovered a problem that they're facing and you understand the impact. As sellers, we like to tend to jump into the solution. Oh, here's how we can help. Cause it's music to our ears. This is the problem we solve for. Of course we want to help out. (laughs) Take a step back, ask them something like this. Hey, Linda, I'm curious to know where does this problem rank amongst the other things you're trying to solve for? Simple as that. Where does this problem rank amongst the other things you're trying to solve for? Is it at the top of the list? Is it at the bottom of the list? Is it in the middle of the pack? right? Another question I like to ask is, you know, what happens if you don't solve this problem in six months? What is the ripple effect? What is the impact to the business, right? What if you don't have solved this in six months? You know, maybe they can live with it. Another really good question I like to ask is, and, and this is important because when you're talking to some managers or lower level directors, they may care about solving something, but they don't help hold this pen to the signature they aren't responsible for making a decision and how many times in our careers have we worked on deals where we're just spinning our cycles with the same person spinning our wheels with the same person when they have no power at all ask this question i'm curious linda is this a challenge that comes up in discussions or internal meetings with your executive team Is this a challenge that comes up in discussions or internal meetings with your executive team? Mm. Is it, if it's not, you're going to be going up uphill battle, right? Yeah. Is this something you can live with? Is this something your team can live with? Is this, is this problem blocking an executive priority or goal? One of the juiciest opportunities that you can find is if you can tie the problem that the prospect is facing to a priority of mm-hmm. a level executive that is as blocking it'll give you a perfect example um there's a lot of solutions out there that uh, help with employee onboarding right um i know a lot of customers that i work with their employee onboarding experience is not that good you know their employees have to go to 12 different places to try to figure out what they need to do in their first couple of weeks, you know, set up work day here, HR, you know, meet with teams, blah blah blah. They're going everywhere. It's not a very good experience, and customers know this. And HR recruiter, HR people know this. What if you uncovered a priority where the CHRO, the chief HR officer, they're trying to improve their attrition rate because their attrition rate is very high compared to their competitive peers. And it's something they're looking to bring down. If you can tie that onboarding experience, which is poor, that is blocking a priority, which is improving attrition rate, you got something golden there. So those are pressure test questions that you should be asking on every call. And let me end it with this, that aspect. If you don't hear what you're looking for on those on that discovery call, if you're not satisfied with the answers that you're getting from those pressure test questions, try something like this. End your call with this. Hey, Linda, I could take the time to walk you through a demo. I'm happy to, happy to take the time to walk you through a demo, but I'm getting a bit of a sense that this is not at the top of your list or even close to it. Am I wrong in making that assumption? Mm -hmm. Do you feel it'd be worth your time? And let them tell you that it's worth their time, not you.
1: Brilliant. That's that's one of the best techniques labeling there, right? You're labeling the unspoken feelings. You're sussing out kind of what you're sensing from your prospect, and you're labeling that. I think that's fantastic. So I, I threw some of those questions in the chat for all of you. And Hadi says that a tip that you shared, Salman, recently... Um, is, you know, from a scale of one to 10, how much of a priority is this? That's another fantastic question to be asking. Um, Cause you get it literally on a scale, right? If someone says it's a two, it's a three, okay. If it's a seven through a 10, fantastic, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Scale questions. Uh, thanks for catching that, Hadi. He probably follows my LinkedIn content, but scales questions are good and bad. They're a little, you got to be, you got to be, picky and choosy about how you use it depending on the buyer because they can be able to sound a little cheesy too like on the scale of one to ten what is this a survey or something <laughs> like Use it use it sparingly right hey on a scale of one to ten where would you rank the impact that this problem is having on your business well it's about six or seven. Oh, it seems like it's uh having some sort of impact on your team can you tell me a little bit more about that no right. or let's say they're using a competitive solution let's say you're on a cold call and they say hey you know we're using a solution hey sounds like it's it's meeting all your requirements is that an unfair assumption well you know it's 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 going okay oh curious to hear uh where would you rank the effectiveness of the current solution you have in place and meeting all your requirements if you were scored it from one to ten it's about a six or seven oh, interesting what do you think would need to happen to make it a nine or ten so in the right context you can use it
1: yeah i think that that's fantastic that's great this is this is good stuff so What happens when your messaging isn't landing with your prospects, and you feel like you're doing your best, you're employing all these tactics, but you're finding that your ICP that your you know leadership is is kind of telling you is who you should be targeting? What happens when that's just there's there's a disconnect there? You feel like the people who you should be targeting are in this group, but leadership is telling you you need to be targeting these people. What what do you do?
0: Yeah, and I think. What's important here is making sure that you're aligned with your go to market team, with your marketing team and your leadership team, because here's the thing. And, uh, I I know you might ask about marketing and sales uh, after, but I want to touch on it because it's important because here's the thing, like what I find often in roles is that sometimes the messaging to the ICP or the incorrect ICP from marketing may not be the same messaging that we use as sellers. And there might be a concern with that because we are on the front lines. You and I, we're on the front lines. We're selling, we're talking to customers, SDRs and AAEs, we're in the trenches. We know exactly the 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 messaging and that's resonating with our customers. While marketing folks, they may know it to some degree, but having that alignment, that's what I love about my company. We are aligned to the hip from marketing and sales. So we share what's resonating, and we align to that. And like I said before, if you're looking for the right messaging to the right ICP, go to G2. It's, and I want to credit Bill Albatrawe on this. He actually showed me this tip. Literally, your company, if you're working for, I don't know, Sitecore, type in Sitecore and G2. Go to the first couple of links that you find. Go to the reviews page of customers that are reviewing your product. Look through each review, scroll down. You're going to have to collapse it uh, or, or, or uh, lower it. And you're going to see a question there is what are the problems that this platform is solving for you? Review those a few times and you're going to see gold that you can use in your messaging, really useful stuff. Uh, sorry, Caroline, you're, you're on mute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a daily occurrence in my life. Uh, that's fantastic. Those are two sites that I would highly, highly recommend and kind of echo the sentiment of leveraging, especially especially from an alignment standpoint. So we spoke a little bit about sales and marketing. What about sales and CS? What do you think about that relationship and how you can optimize the relationship with your CS team?
0: Yeah, great question. So I want to share an example with you of a deal that we closed last year, where it was a team effort between the CSM, myself as the AE and our SDR. And what's important here is that CSMs provide so much value, both with prospects and especially existing customers, because their, their job is to really make sure they drive adoption and also multi-thread to find new lines of business that could see value. There was an account that we had in the education industry. And this account, It's kind of funny because they spent about a very low amount with us, you know, uh, in the five figures. And we sat down with the VP of IT. We were an approved vendor. We went through all the paperwork. And the VP of IT told me, Salman, we just take demand from the business. If the, the business comes to us and they say they want to expand, we'll do it. But there's no demand right now. I don't see us expanding. We're using your competitive solution in place right now. And I don't—I I honestly don't think you have a shot here of expanding the business." I said, okay. And I said, hey, with your permission, would it be okay if I reached out to a couple of folks in your organization just to see if there's demand? They said, go ahead, but good luck. So here's what we did. The CSM, my wonderful CSM aligned to me and my wonderful SDR aligned to me. We got together and we said, what can we do to team up together to leverage the success we've had with a couple of teams that are using the platform today at this company, and how can we share a relevant message to specific personas across the organization that don't know who we are, but share a message saying that, hey, a couple of teams in your marketing department are using our platform today. We're an approved vendor by IT, so you don't need to worry about that. They're solving X, Y, and Z. If this problem resonates with you, we're confident we can replicate this value. Our CSM and myself, we went on a multi-threading marathon. We reached out to literally a dozen different personas that fit our ICP, that fit the problems that we solved for, and that had use cases we could align to. Over that three-month period, because of the SDR, myself, and our our CSM that worked together, we had literally half a dozen meetings. Three or four of them were very, very successful. Our CSM actually held their hand and sort of walking them through how how they could see value and how other teams are seeing value. And they were using a competitive solution and our CSM talked about the value that we're bringing to the other teams and how they're really leveraging it to cover those gaps that the competitor wasn't able to do. Kid you not, Caroline, three months later, we all went back to the VP of IT. I said, listen, we've talked to half a dozen, these three teams, hear their names, here are the number of seats they're interested in. You can double check and call them. They're ready to move forward. They want your solution. Mm-hmm. He said, he came back a week later and said, okay, we're going to have to move forward with more seats. That's how you team together with your CSM and SDR to drive success in your existing accounts.
1: That is fantastic. That is That is how you work cross functionally with your team. That is absolutely amazing. So, CSM is. Customer success manager is typically what that means. Um, customer success folks handle everything from renewals to you know, making sure customers understand what they're doing with the platform that you sold them and having questions answered and check-ins weekly or monthly, etc. So CS department, super, super important and invaluable part of your org, and it should be hand in hand with sales. So Salman, this has been... I can't believe time is flying. I can't believe we only have a few minutes We have two questions here that I want to answer, um, for the audience. The first question here is from Trevor and Trevor says, Caroline, in your sales navigator example, are you reaching out to your current customer first before you mention their info to the prospect? Yes. You always want to get permission, right? You don't want to use this person's name or, you know, say that you're working with a customer unless you're allowed to reference that you have that person as a customer. So I'd start with your manager or your leadership, ask them, hey, you know, is this a customer that we can talk about in a public-facing way? And then I'd reach out to that customer and be like, hey, just checking in, uh, you know, super excited that you're loving what what you're using with our product. And Listen, I, I'm trying to uh, reach out to these folks here. Looks like you're connected to them. Do you mind terribly if I just reference that we work together? You know, we kind of use your name to to help them understand that I'm not a stranger, right? So, you know, you can phrase that however you want. But Trevor, to answer your question, yes, I would recommend if it's a customer, ask permission. Um, and Salman, the second question we have is from Tariq. He says, what's your approach on smaller size businesses? So SMB, um, very few to none individual contributors.
0: Good question. So you know how I was talking about the bottoms-up approach? Sometimes that may not be effective when you don't have many lower-level folks. So another approach is a top-down approach, and that's something that you could leverage in your SMB accounts. The pros of a top-down approach is you reach out to an executive early on with that point of view that I mentioned. The value of that is that you get executive engagement early on, they can help sponsor an engagement with the lower-level folks uh, like a VP or or a director. And you, you've you aligned to executives, so you have access to power and executive alignment. The cons in that is it's a little bit more difficult to get meetings with C-level and senior VPs, right? That's why you have to build that point of view. That's why you have to talk about so that's social proof. Uh, you need a compelling point of view and you get one shot. If you don't aren't that successful in that one shot, yes, they might show some interest in the future, but a top-down approach can be very effective with SMB accounts as well.
1: Absolutely. And with that, we are unfortunately at time. Please, please follow Salman on LinkedIn. You will not regret it. Uh, It's like getting a free education watching this man post every day. So (laughs) feel free to follow us both on LinkedIn, connect with us, reach out if you have any questions. And with that, I wish you all a very happy week. And thanks so much for tuning in again.